Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. LAX. As it turns out, it is not just an airport code, but a sport whose excitement is rivaled only by maybe hockey or rugby. Lacrosse has become even more mainstream with the advent of the PLL, that's the Premier Lacrosse League, and lifelong athletes like our guest, Marcus Holman of the Archers. When he's not playing professionally, he's coaching at the University of Utah. That's right, this week is all about baseball. Just kidding. Lacrosse. Here it is, episode 491. It's actually really nice to actually talk to a real lacrosse player. (laughs) After having listened to you talk about your high school lacrosse for all these years, to actually have a legitimate lacrosse player on here, I'm I'm excited. This is like a huge deal for me. It was D3, John. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, so glorified high school. <laughs> yeah, it's like a shitty high school. Like, uh, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, honestly, uh, and we can ask our guests, but like your D three college experience playing lacrosse was probably not as competitive as a like top end high school, like a high end high school program. Uh, Marcus, where'd you go to high school? Baltimore area, right? Yes, Gilman School. Gilman School. Yeah, Gilman School probably would have beat us. Yeah, they would have smashed you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And not there, there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Marcus, how many guys on your team like went to go play some ball? We probably had at least six or seven guys go division one. Yeah. And then we probably had, you know, another, another three or four played D three, but the guys that went and played division three actually really enjoyed their experience. I don't know if, if you had a great experience with it or not, but you know, it's a little less structured. You're able to, you know, travel and maybe, you know, study abroad for a semester. Um, you know, life as a division one athlete is pretty demanding. You know, it's, it's like a full-time job. So, um, but yeah, we had a, we had a good mix of both. Now it's even more with some of those high schools in the Baltimore area. Those teams are stacked. Yeah. And it, I mean, it continues to be, would you say Baltimore or Long Island is the, the place? Oh, I got to rep my, my hometown for sure. The 410, there you, um, go. you know, and I, our two other members on our Utah coaching staff are Long Island guys. So <laughs> I'm in the minority there, but I got to rep. I got to rep Baltimore. Sweet, man. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. We got a lot of ground to cover. I shot you some questions talking multi-sports, uh, given scope of the PLL to listeners that may have no idea that that league exists. And man, life as a, a professional athlete slash coach. Let's Let's roll right into it, man. Yeah. Why not lead off with giving two to five minute introduction, athletic career, coaching Don't career. Don't feel like you're constrained to two to five minutes. Just yeah. go <laughs> text. Stop putting fucking labels on people, dude. Is this a lacrosse uh, thing? Labeling? Yeah. No. <laughs> you're uh, like, hold on. I got a piece of uh, tape to put on your helmet. <laughs> yeah. Bring it back. All right. Marcus, go. Cool. I'll try to keep it uh, interesting for the listeners. Um my name is Marcus Holman. I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, as I just mentioned. I uh, played my college lacrosse at the University of North Carolina, so I'm a Tar Heel. Um, amazing four years in Chapel Hill. Some of the best memories of, of my life down there. Uh, after college, I had the epiphany that most college athletes do of, holy shit, I'm done playing. Uh, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. And I was fortunate enough to have some success down at, at Chapel Hill being an All-American a couple of times and a finalist for the Tawar Town Award, which is pretty much the Heisman Trophy of college lacrosse. Um, you know, and at the urging of, of my dad, who was an assistant coach at the time at UNC, he was like, you know, you've had some success with 
lacrosse, like maybe you should just stick with it. You know, you can travel and do clinics and do private lessons. And at the time I was a, a goal of mine was to make uh, the world team, team USA, which was um, we were preparing for the 2014 world championship. So long story short, I stuck with lacrosse. Um, the sport has given me pretty much everything in my life. Um, relationships, my fiance, I met through the game. Um, and it's taken me to some of the most amazing places uh, on the planet. And I'm very fortunate to have it. And I'm currently living in Salt Lake City. Uh, I've got my 30th birthday coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, we're closing out the season. I'm an assistant lacrosse coach at the University of Utah. And then, as you guys mentioned, during the summer months from June to September, I'm a professional lacrosse player for the Archers Lacrosse Club of the Premier Lacrosse League. So the PLL was founded a couple of years ago. It's a newer league, very exciting product. If you haven't watched a game, I would highly recommend it. We play on NBC Sports. A lot of our games are televised. So, yeah, it's a lot of lacrosse for me. But like I said, I love it. So very fortunate to be where I am. Yeah, let's lead off with the PLL. It is, it is a fun league, and they set it up interestingly. Instead of the traditional, hey, this is the, the Baltimore Bayhawks and a city owning a team, it's a traveling club. And from my perspective as a fan, the objective is simply grow the sport. So we're going to Dallas. We're going to all these places, Utah, that wouldn't traditionally have a professional team, but they're exposing to the league. So can you sum up the, the league itself? and their mission, their goal, and why this traveling tournament style of professional games. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's interesting as you look at, um, you know, professional sports in, in 2021, right? It almost seems like the athletes are bigger than the organizations. You know, people follow LeBron James no matter what team he's playing for. You know, people follow Tom Brady no matter what city he's in. Um so I think some of that has to do with with the idea that they had of, of this tour based model. And you see it in other sports, right, like the PGA Tour or NASCAR. Um, you know, you just allow more eyes to be on the sport and attend an in-person game, which, again, lacrosse is such an exciting, fast paced sport, um, you know, compare it to football. Right. Like football, an average play is like four seconds or five seconds. Um, and then you have a break for like a minute lacrosse is just nonstop, right? The only time the play stops really is when the ball goes out of bounds. And that's, that's the five second break. Um, so it's fast paced the, the PLL has done a great job of creating buzz. Um, you know, it's almost like a little mini festival at the stadiums that we travel to. Um, so I think that was part of their idea. Um, I think their five year plan, I think down the road, they're going to look at potentially, having those geographically located teams um, as the markets big, get bigger, right? We're going to be traveling to new cities this summer. We just got an email with our locations for the 2021 season. And I'm really excited. There's some, some new places that I haven't been, um, you know, and again, there's lacrosse is now slowly becoming a national sport, right? Mm -hmm. You looked at it 20 years ago, it was all East coast. It's Baltimore, Philly, Long Island, Connecticut, you know, now I'm, I'm coaching lacrosse at the University of Utah. Who would have thought, right? We're the first uh, men's Pac-12 lacrosse university. So the game is growing. It's, it's really cool. And, um, you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll travel overseas and play an international game, right? There's, there's some support in England. Japan is a country that absolutely loves lacrosse. Um, a lot of professional players have traveled there to coach clinics and, um, 
you know, obviously see their, their amazing culture. So yeah, like you mentioned, just a, a way for more people to see it and get involved. I think this is the admin of social media. I mean, really social media is brought in and now, now uh, individual athletes have so much more of a spotlight than they ever had before. I mean, it was so much based on teams and now it's like, look at the individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, again, just to jump in, that's something that the PLL has totally pushed. They're almost like a media company first, you know, they do such a good job of helping us promote our social channels, right? They know that we can get sponsorships or, you know, interviews or, um, you know, grow our, our following with amazing content by telling stories, right? The former league that I played in, which was called major league lacrosse, um, which is where I played the first seven years of my career. Um, you know, the game would finish and I'd have to go on, you know, Getty images and try to find like a picture of myself playing, you know, and I would still, I put it up on my Instagram with the get like the Getty tag on it. Now we use an app called Greenfly. right after the game is over. I open up my phone and there's 300 pictures right from the game and videos and slow-mo highlights that we can just put on our social channels. Right. So like you mentioned, promoting ourselves within the PLL is they've done a really good job with that. Um, I mean, at least in the uh, the NFL, their reasoning was that they never wanted to promote players because they never want a player to be bigger than the organization. So then uh, if a you know yeah. player gets into some contract deal, have you ever noticed that like instantly the fans just shit all over the player? But yeah, when a player or, or when a team cuts a player, they're like, oh, that guy sucked. But then if a player goes, hey, I want more money, I'm holding out, they're like, that guy's such a piece of shit. <laughs> and they did this on purpose. So that's why like the advent of social media, like you talked about LeBron James and all these players now have a platform at which to be able to provide this stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, the NFL has fought against this and still fights against it. I mean, just, you know, so it's cool to see that there's a league actually pushing this forward and being able to put, and I, same thing for me, I played in the NFL for 10 years. And uh, dude, I still to this day have to go buy pictures of myself off Getty Images. And Incredible. I'll email them and be like, hey, is there any way I don't have to pay $1,000 for this? Or can I pay you $500? <laughs> and like, normally they'll be like, hey, it's because it's you. Um, I'll, I, I can buy them for cheaper. But I remember being like, how fucked is this? The yeah. fact that these people went and took pictures of me at the game and they, they're selling me back the pictures and the NFL doesn't do anything to provide it for us. So it's just uh, it, it's cool to see that leagues are actually taking a different approach, putting the players first and basically yeah. celebrating what is their biggest commodity. And that was their that was their mantra right off the bat because the founders of the league, Paul Rabel being one of them, who's I'm sure if you guys follow lacrosse or have heard of lacrosse, you you know who Paul Rabel is. He's the biggest name in our sport. Um, him and his older brother Mike, who was in Silicon Valley for five six years working kind of in the tech business, like they had this plan to put the PLL out there, and they made it a reality and their mantra right off the bat was we're going to put our players first. Right. And I've definitely seen the repercussions of that in a positive way over the, the past two years. I mean, there's always going to be flaws. Like if you want to nitpick, you're, you're going to find, you know, athletes will always find a way to like complain. I feel like about certain things, but that's not really how I look at it. I look at it as my salary is tripled. Um, you know, we get equity in the PLL. Um, we get healthcare if we want it, you know, and, we're playing games on national TV with amazing commentary and HD cameras. Like that's it. <laughs> that's if you just would have said those right off the bat, I would be like, okay, I'm in, where do I sign? So it wasn't, it wasn't really a tough decision for me to, to want to leave. And now the MLL has, they've merged. So there's just now one singular league at the professional outdoor level, which is really good because for a couple of years there, it was like, there was this league and this league and it was just kind of awkward, honestly, for fans. So now it's, it's, it's easy. It's good. Much cleaner uniforms yeah. for the PLL. 
in my opinion, as a fan. Yeah. What was it like for, did you choose the PLL? Did you have to make that choice? Or did they seek you out to say, hey, we're going after player XYZ. We're bringing them in and paying them first. Did they draw you in, attract you? Or were you left to make a choice once this league started up? Uh, it was, they, they sought players out. Um, and I think they had them in maybe in three tiers. And I've had a previous relationship with Paul. Um, we played on Team USA together in 2014 and 2018. So, you know, we're friendly. And when he was pitching it, you know, he pitched it to myself and my other two assistant coaches out here, Will Manny and Adam Gittleman, who also play on the Archers, uh, which is amazing. We'll, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But, you know, it was it was cool. It was a great opportunity. And he listed those things that I talked about. And it's not like, you know, if you would have told me, like, I'm going to pay you to play in a lacrosse game at any point in my life, I'd be like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I don't care about anything else. But it did get to a point where, you know, after playing six, seven years, you know, winning a championship, it's like, okay, can we like legitimize this? Like, and I still have to tell people kind of, you know, what the MLL is, like where I play. And, you know, I just think they've done a better job of legitimizing professional lacrosse. And that's, that feels good to be a part of as a player. Yeah. Compliment to the fan experience. I haven't been in person, but aim to. Can you give us any hints on those locations or is it all? Well, um, actually, can you get into the idea of a <laughs> festival? So there's different teams and you guys all travel at the same time to different locations and play a number of games? Yes, correct. So this year, um, you know, let's say Baltimore. <laughs> let's say Baltimore is a location. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's giving away cities or not. I don't want to pressure him. Oh, no. I mean, he's. why would he do that? Yeah. Let's just hypothetically say Baltimore okay. was one of the cities. You know, there's going to be weekends where we're going to play double headers. So the archers play the whip snakes Friday night, and then we would have Saturday off. But on Saturday, you know, the Chrome is playing chaos and the water dogs are playing the Atlas. And then on Sunday we would play somebody different. So there's going to be a couple weekends where you're playing Friday, Sunday, um, which I think is, is fun. You know, it's definitely going to be demanding physically on, on your body, but, um, you're able to sometimes the tough thing about only playing 12 or 13 games spread out over the entire summer is you don't get that like immediate feedback. And since we travel in as players, like we don't practice a lot. Um, so it's the, the, the best team for the first two years has been the whip snakes. Um, their roster is like 97% compi comprised of Maryland alumni. So all those guys have played together within the past six, seven years, like, their defensive unit is the same defensive unit that they had in college for two or three years. So they've been pretty strong because that chemistry is there and we don't practice Monday through Friday and then play Saturday. You, you travel in Friday, you practice, then you would play Saturday and then you leave and go back to your, you know, whatever you're doing. A lot of guys work in the lacrosse industry, but some guys still have real estate jobs or, you know, a couple guys work on wall street. Like, it's, it's tough to develop that chemistry. So I think playing on Fridays and Sunday, this is my point, will be fun because you can get that immediate feedback, make adjustments, and then go um, turn around and play another game. So that's kind of what a, a normal weekend would look like. And then for the fan experience, right, you can obviously come to an individual game, but they like to promote, you know, promote it as kind of a weekend experience. Like you come Friday night, then you'd come Saturday. You know, you have uh, an accuracy shooting contest out outside the stadium you have a shot speed contest you have giveaways from a lot of these lacrosse companies you have a dj 
Um, so just kind of a fun experience for, for kids. Do, do you feel that was based off the success of the lacrosse final four on Memorial day weekend? Yeah, I definitely think they, you know, that that's been the, the pinnacle of our sport forever. Um, and it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because people look at the final four, like it's this Mecca and it's everything. And then guys would leave and go play professional and like, you wouldn't really hear about it. You yeah, know, the buzz would drop off. Yeah. Right. So just trying to equal that. And I, again, I do feel that we're going in this direction and, you know, professional lacrosse, I would say is just as popular now as college lacrosse, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I don't know if there's a poll out there or anything like that. Don't fact. Is it because nobody's been exposed to it? I mean, I like, I, I think the first lacrosse game I ever saw was in college. Yeah. I, like I, and I grew up in Southern California. So it was just not something that anybody played. And we went to college and uh, uh, I got to go see the lacrosse game. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty exciting. Did yeah. Cal have a women's team? Yeah, they had a women's team. So we went and we watched the girls play. It was, um, um, it, it was cool to watch. It wasn't until I saw guys play where I was like, oh, I get it. This makes a lot more sense to me um, just from the, yeah. like the violence and standpoint. I'm like, you got helmets and you got sticks. Like, of course you're going to hit somebody in the face with it. Illegal violence. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. No, it was fast paced. Looked fun. To your point, I definitely think the ex exposure piece of it is the piece that has been missing. Um, the prior league, the MLL, we were locked into a contract with this company called Lax Sportsnet, which is like a mobile app that you can watch all the games on. You pay a set price and you can watch the games. But again, you know, I have my parents signing up for this app to watch the game, like stream it on their TV. And the quality just like wasn't good. <laughs> like the cameras are blurry. Like the camera work is shoddy. Um, you can't really see the ball. Like some broadcast didn't even have replays. It's just like, that's not a good viewing experience for the fan, especially the casual fan. Like the casual fan's not going to sit there and be like, this isn't fun. And that's why, again, trying to broaden our audience, like the lax diehard is probably going to watch it no matter what. Right. Like my dad will sit there and watch, <laughs> you know, a grain of sand if it if you can like see the lacrosse through it but um you know pairing up with nbc and having hd cameras and having legit commentators um hd replays slow-mo like that's the stuff that makes lacrosse exciting like you can watch the highlights they're they're amazing i think the media team in the pll is one of the best in sports and they've won a couple awards in, in their early going here in the first couple of years like they do an amazing job so you know, it's growing, it's getting there. It's, it's definitely a process. You know, I think it'd be cool to see in the next 10 years, somebody sign a million dollar contract to play pro lacrosse. That would be amazing. I don't think I have 10 years left in me, but you think that's 10 years out? Maybe 20. You think it's 20 years out? Okay. Yeah. So what do you think it needs to happen? Uh, big time sponsors. I mean, you're going to need TV, you know I mean? If you look at the NFL, yeah. like TV deal or, um, like the, the salary cap and all that, it's basically paid by the, uh, um, by the TV industry. So like yeah. the, like the media deal gets cut and then that's where that money gets funneled. So it'd be interesting to see if they're, you know, if they're able to take it onto mainstream TV and then actually get some TV deal and the revenue would yeah. be able to flow back to you guys. And again, you know, think, like just, <clears throat> it's, still, it's still relatively young. Like the MLL was founded, I think in 2001. So it's been 20 years of professional lacrosse. Right. So, you know, when, when was the NFL started in the sixties maybe? Um, the league merger, I've, AFL well, and yeah, NFL? That was in the 60s. Uh -huh. But before that, like 1800s probably. I mean, <laughs> the first NFL teams. 
first NFL well, team. first uh, professional college. football teams were probably yeah. like around the turn yeah. of the century. But Yale, Harvard, yeah, yeah. ended in 1800s. And then the forward pass was invented by FDR, yeah. fun fact. That's right. So whenever the hell he was president, nobody knows. No, yeah, nobody <laughs> knows these numbers. But I mean, think, think about how long lacrosse has been. Isn't it like a Native oh, American sport? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's the American pastime. Yeah. So why is it? I mean, why why has lacrosse never really gotten a uh, like a, a chance on the national stage? Dang, you guys are hitting hard hitting questions this Monday morning. Geez, I'm only halfway through my. Well, I mean, you did go to uh, North Carolina, so you should be pretty yeah. sharp, dude. You probably have thought this stuff. Uh, and I only make that joke because my wife went there for grad school. Nice. It originally was a Native American sport. They, you know, they founded it. Um, the field used to be miles long. They used to play it kind of as to either settle disputes between tribes, they would play lacrosse. Um, and I think I'm glad, again, you know, I think about the PLL, just recognizing that and storytelling about the history of our sport. You know, it's it's something that, that again, the casual fan, the viewer would be like, wow, I didn't know that. But it's actually the, the first sport that was ever played, you know, if, if you, if you want to follow those guidelines. And I believe that. Um, so it, it does have a, a spiritual element to it i feel it when i play when i hold a stick in my hand i probably have a lacrosse stick in my hand 330 days out of the year i would say between coaching and playing um and it's it's medicinal for me you know i could just grab a stick and a ball and throw it against the wall for half an hour and be in the zone so um i think for a lot of people you know understanding why they play um you know realizing the the sacredness of the sport is, is important to me. Um, and I try to inflict that onto younger players that I coach or our college players and stuff like that. But that's kind of, I don't really, I didn't really answer your question, but um, I just hope it, I hope it continues to grow and, and get, get the exposure it needs. You know, it's, it's, again, it's been three years with the TV deal. So, you know, we're like where the NFL was in the sixties or seventies. So that's, you know, again, we're, we're just behind the eight ball, but the game's growing for sure. How'd you guys get into the assistant coaching for universities? Was it something where uh, universities reached out to you guys and said, Hey, uh, I know you guys are playing professional lacrosse and here's your season. It'd be great if you guys could come and help and work with our players. Well, I would, if I looked around the league, I think you'd see maybe 12 to 15 guys that are involved with college coaching. Um, again, it's, it's, it works out really well because the college season ends usually on Memorial day. And then, the professional season starts right after that. So you can do both. Um, obviously you're supplementing your income with, um, playing professional lacrosse, but again, it's, it's a nice resume builder. You know, you're a professional athlete. Well, you, you have to understand the sport to some extent. Um, you know, I'm, if I stood up right now, I'm five ten. I'm about 180 pounds. You know, I probably have like a 20 inch vertical leap. Um, <laughs> I, I don't run the 40 super fast, but again, another reason lacrosse is so cool is because I, I would say I'm one of the smarter players in the league. You know, I play angles well. I can think three steps ahead. You know, I know where the defense is going to be. I'm able to use my knowledge of the game to, to help me succeed. It's probably one of my biggest strengths. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think those things combined, if, if a university is looking for a coach, they're like, okay, those things kind of – that makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm able to sit and talk about lacrosse all day. Um, now, does that make you a good coach? No, it doesn't. It's definitely one of the, you know, prereqs. You obviously have to be able to develop relationships. You've got to be able to motivate. Um, you've got to be organized. You've got to be able to communicate clearly. 
Uh, and those are, you know, other kind of pieces of the puzzle and things that I'm working on as, as like I said, a 29 year old, you know, I'm, I'm trying to push myself to improve and, um, in all areas of my life, coaching, playing, um, you know, being a better brother, being a better fiance. So, uh, it's just kind of my mindset when it comes to stuff again, kind of a long winded answer to your question, but how, um, how old were you when you started playing? Probably five. I like to say I came out of the womb with a stick in my hand. Both of my parents played division one. My dad played at Johns Hopkins. My mom played at Towson. Um, and they were both very successful with it. And then I grew up, you know, in a suburb of Baltimore where lacrosse is probably the most popular sport, honestly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's funny to think back like and and read and understand about, you know, human behavior and how much our communities affect who we are as people. Like they say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. So, you know, when you're growing up in a community that is just lacrosse all the time, like my dad was coaching at Hopkins when I was nine or 10 and we would go to those college games all the time. And I just remember being like, like looking at those college guys, I was like, these guys are larger than life as like a little 10 year old. And then to be able to kind of follow that path and, you know, kind of just continue to, I like to say too, like the like 12 year, 12 year old me would be like, so so proud of <laughs> like I was able to watch some of my idols and then play with them and like be roommates with them and I was like I was like awestruck um and I think that's a that was an amazing experience for me talking to guys like Kyle Harrison and uh, Paul Rabel and Steel Stanwick um just some legends that it's been cool to just kind of continue to break barriers you know as a lacrosse player I can picture you're like, Oh my God, you were my hero when I was 12 years old. And now they're like, pass me the damn ball. They're yeah. like, they're, Fuck yeah, you, kid. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, you're like, God damn. Why do you have to, have yeah, to make me feel so old? He's like, when yeah. I was, when I was 10 years old, you were my favorite player. You're like, God fucking damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like almost, I'm probably like right in the middle, like, but it's almost getting flipped now. Like I have some of our college players at Utah. Uh, one of, one of our players is from Raleigh, North Carolina. And he was like, coach Holman, I just, I have to tell you something. I was like, what? He was like, when I was younger, I used to idolize you. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's. Oh, you're you know, really sucking funny. up for playing time. Aren't <laughs> yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, Take another lap. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Bump him up, put him up on, on the man up unit. But it's cool how it's coming full circle as, as I get older. <laughs> well, you just got to come up with like really good digs on him. Be like, oh, if that's the case, I thought you would have been better. <laughs> you know, just totally fucking torch him and be like, wow, I guess, I guess the bar's just been raised for my expectation of you. I'm not that quick yeah. with it. Yeah. Maybe it, I'm just the only asshole that thinks about that stuff. No, no it's great. Yeah. Uh, what was it like growing up a coach's son? Like, did he ever cross that line from dad to coach when yeah. following your games as a kid? Yeah. Well, I have an amazing dad. He's, he's the best. We're like best friends. Again, he's the head coach at the university of Utah. So I'm, he is now my boss and my dad and my coach still my life coach, but yeah, you know, he, he, um, his biggest strength as a coach is his ability to motivate and just be honest and truthful. You know, I think some, some people shy away from that. Like if you're doing something wrong in practice, he's just like, fix your shit, you know, like, and he's not afraid to smack you on the ass, but also like put an arm around you if you need it, you know, his, his ability to just like, develop relationships as a coach is honestly second to none. Um, but circling back as like, uh, maybe like a 12 year old, um, he was coaching our rec team in, in Baltimore and, 
we had a pretty good little squad. We were scrappy. Uh, and I just remember him just getting on me, you know, and as a young athlete like that, you don't really know how to, you know, you're just trying to figure it out. You have good days and then you're trying to figure out how to deal with, you know, when you miss every shot and you turn the ball over and he was just riding me so hard this one game, just like on me, on me, on me. And in my eyes, it was like, okay, he's not even coaching anybody else. He's literally just singling me out. So in the car after the game, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was like, dad, you got to stop yelling at me. Like treat me like the other players. Like, that's not fair. Like it's not helping me. And I was like, I got into him as like a, maybe a 12 year old or I don't know, maybe 14 or whatever. But, and he was like, I think it just kind of took him aback a little bit. And he was like, wow. Okay. Like, I appreciate you saying that to me. And I do remember that as like a moment in our relationship where we kind of grew as a father son, you know? And I think to any parents out there, it's, you have to, I, I wouldn't know cause I'm not a parent, but from the son's perspective, like you can, you know, if you're going to, again, if you're going to push, you got to like be able to, hug as well you know and it can't just be all the time like push 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 because you'll drive your kid to not want to play the sport um and lucky luckily for me we were, we were able to find that balance and i never felt like he was like making me go out in the yard and shoot that was always something like i just wanted to do you know and i think my internal drive has always pushed me to the places that i want to go to um you know, and that's another thing with athletes is if it's not coming from within you, it's going to be tough to sustain. So, yeah. And did he push you to play more sports than lacrosse? Yeah. My childhood was incredible. We had a big yard um, and we had a this community down in Annapolis where we would go to um, in the summertime. I'd go to summer camp and the camp was like a sports camp. So I just... I just love competing in anything sports related, like dodgeball, ping pong, badminton, golf, tennis, like pickleball. Pickleball is a new one I've recently discovered. Oh, you guys yeah, play. we're on board. Yeah, epic. So fun. I think I'm more, like one of the best pickleball players in the world. I'm just going to well, say that. No, but. there's some old people at this rec league we go to that are pretty good. Yeah. Well, don't you have to be over 90 to be actually really good at pickleball? <laughs> it's all experience. Well, what's, angles, John. What's, angles. Dude, uh, the it best part is when you watch the old people play, they don't even move. They just kind of like yeah. hit the ball. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun. That is Are you fun you said you're a good ping pong player? Pretty good ping pong, yeah. yeah. Pickleball. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah, yeah. We play a lot of ping pong. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it gets competitive in the office. Yeah, we, we have a ping pong table here in the office. Wow. Awesome. And our own custom paddles. And our own custom paddles. Marcus, so we're total your, dorks. Yeah, what's your custom paddle situation? Whoa. I didn't know I'm stepping into the uh, geez, the ring of fire here. Yeah, dude. no, it's a, it's a serious deal. We That's how we settle all of our disputes, much like the Native <laughs> Americans. Any dispute yeah. is settled on the ping pong. I'll be like, you know what? We'll, we'll deal with this on the ping pong table. Uh, you, you do win a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, that's amazing. But, yeah, you know, I just – I love – I love sports. I, my dream when I was a kid was first, it was like, go play in the NFL. Then second, it was like, okay, I want to uh, be a sports center anchor. I would wake up like 15 minutes early uh, to go downstairs and eat cereal like this far from the TV and watch uh, the top 10 plays. Cause they were always at the end of the hour. So it was always like six fifty-five AM. They would come on. I'd wake up early just to go downstairs and watch that. And boom goes the dynamite. Did you practice your own, like, one-line droppers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear your sports anchor uh, uh, top ten. 
I mean, you top have shelf the mic. Where mama, where mama hides the cookies, <laughs> stick to top shelf. There you go. Um, I actually did a little bit of uh, color commentary after I graduated. Again, I was kind of finding out what I wanted to do, and I did some broadcasting for a couple of, of UNC games. It was fun. Dude. I kind of have like a little monotone voice, so it when you hear yourself, you're like, God, are, are you even interested? You know, you really have to over-enunciate your pronunciations when you're on the air. And actually, there's nothing more annoying than listening to yourself. I know because when we listen to the podcast, oh, I'm, like, I'm like stabbing myself in the face. I'm like, God damn it. If only yeah. I could have it sound more interesting. 100%. So what, uh, yeah, what I sports I mean, what, what sports did you play growing up? Did you play football? Did you play hockey? Yeah. I mean, what, what were the major contributors? In high school, it was football, basketball, then lacrosse. Um, Three seasons. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yep. I was a, you know, I was a pretty good football player. Um uh, I was decent at basketball. I was, I was kind of like the first guy off the bench. You know, I was, I was the hype man that would come in, just play defense and shoot, shoot the three ball. Shoot the the J. Yeah. Shoot it. <laughs> kind of like a Kyle Corver, if you will. You know, you guys know who he is. Mike Miller. Championship. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a strength conditioning program early on uh, within the high school or did you follow something and like, how does it progress to what you yeah, do now? Yeah, we, we, uh, we lifted, as a football team, I'm pretty sure. Um, I didn't really get serious about strength and conditioning until my senior year of high school, where um, the, my junior year of basketball season, we were like six and 20. We were not good. And they changed the head coach. And I decided my senior year not to play basketball. Um, I was already committed to UNC. I really wanted to, again, dive into getting a little bit bigger and faster. So I started training with a guy named Jay Dyer who yeah. is he's, probably like he's the guy in the lacrosse strength and uh, conditioning program. He's trained the uh, national teams, men's and women's. Um, he's just, a, he's an awesome guy. He's got such a great dry sense of humor. Um, and he, his stuff is really challenging. So he kind of like, as he was like growing and getting big, and he also is the strength and conditioning coach at Johns Hopkins. So like I was training with him maybe three times a week. Um, I was throwing up multiple times after workouts. Um, and I really learned about what it's like to push yourself to those places. And I, I'm really grateful for that, that time because, you know, I think a, a lot of young athletes don't know how much is inside them until they get pushed, you know, to a certain degree. And it was his, some of his workouts were designed that way to just, okay, we're, we're going to push you. We're going to see how, how far you can go. You know, um, do a hundred pull-ups and do a hundred dips as fast as you can. Um, you know, put the treadmill on 12 incline and 12 speed and run for as long as you can. Um, stuff like that. So obviously physically I was growing, but I also grew up here. Um, and I, I would like to say that, you know, my mental, my mental game is, is strong. It's definitely grown. Um, and it's something that you can't neglect as an athlete. You can't try to just you know, go through the motions and, and not address the conversations that you're having with yourself or not do not read, you know, there's so much knowledge out there to, to read about the mental side of sports. Um, it's really something that I've enjoyed as I've, I've grown as an athlete. Yeah. Growing up in Texas football, we started weightlifting seventh grade was our first formal. And then when I was introduced to lacrosse at 16, it was just our football players getting together and yep. playing football with sticks and then going to college on the East Coast, Marymount University, 
yep. Stallings and I, and I was the only person that lifted. We there we had a Smith machine in our fitness center, which is actually the hallmark of every good fitness program is a Smith machine. Well, for getting a pump, but not training for athletics. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, but but it helps you squat without hurting yourself. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but we were able to get the the our assistant coach also coached high school in the community, so we were able to get some off. Uh, just thrown, discarded weightlifting equipment and got a squat rack in there. But still, it was pulling guys in to, to introduce them to the barbell as a player who was, unbeknownst to me, actually coaching weightlifting at the time. But, man, there was not a weightlifting culture within lacrosse from that window of experience that, that I had. And, I mean, as connected as the weight room is to football in Texas, I'd never experienced that on that east coast but i mean yeah. we didn't get a lot of multi-sport kids through my school why is that i mean it is uh strength conditioning and just being like you know performance training not big in in uh in lacrosse because it's always been thought of as more of like a club sport something that people play in in a rotation yeah my my answer to that would be football is a game of like your body like you're always you're either blocking somebody or you're tackling somebody or you're trying to like run through somebody like you need to have muscle to be a football player. You don't need that to be a good lacrosse player. You need a great stick to be a great lacrosse player. You know, if you can handle your stick better and you can throw passes here and you can shoot the ball here, you don't really need to, you know, have that physicality element to your game. Some guys now, again, that's kind of like the old way to view it. Like we don't need to lift lacrosse is more of a, like a running sport, but that's why it's really hard to find legit, like strength and conditioning programs for lacrosse, because you either have the football regiment, which is let's put 500 pounds on our back and squat and let's bench press. But like, I'm not, how am I applying those? Or you have the element of like, I have to be able to run five miles, (laughs) you know, like how do I train for that? So it's, it's tough to train for it. You want the mass, you want to be physical, you want to be strong, but you also have to train the the cardio element of it too. Cause you're, you know, I was wearing a whoop last um, summer for our games. And I think I averaged, or I was wearing a um, Garmin GPS tracker and I was averaging like four and a half miles a game and I play attack. So I'm only on like one half the field. So some of the midfielders are running probably, I would imagine close to six, seven miles. Um, so it's tough to train for it's, it's, and I just think now as we push forward and again, we're legit legitimizing the sport, like guys are no longer just like showing up and playing, you know, I think 10 years ago you would see guys that would just like, you know, not train in the off season and just like we're skilled enough to play now with higher salaries, better benefits guys, it's cutthroat. And there's only eight teams. Like there's a lot of really, really good players that are not going to be playing professional field across the summer, you know, and it's, it's kind of the harsh reality and it, it's, I have a lot of motivating factors. That's definitely one of them. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to continue to see my career out. And I know the younger generation is better. Kids in college are doing some shit that I've never even would think about doing as a, as a senior. You know, I'm seeing kids throw bounce passes, scoring goals one-handed. Like, it's just incredible. The, how, again, I, I see the growth, you know, at, at all levels. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of that's a long-winded answer to the strength portion of lacrosse. I call that the social media effect because kids today are getting to see what everybody's doing. And I, and I always think too, when I was growing up, if there had been social media and I knew that there were people out there doing this stuff, like 
Like it, it just, it, it kind of blows my mind. I mean, we have so much access to information and kids are able to see so much. Like I, I was tripping out today. I saw, um, it was on uh, Instagram had like a dude, I, don't, I think it was like ESPN was showing this kid. He probably had to be like maybe nine or 10 years old. He had a, um, uh, a hoop set up in his mom's, uh, uh kitchen. And I he saw was, that. And he, he was doing like 360 dunks. And yes. I mean, like, like crazy windmill with his hand across. He did like a reverse. Like this kid's dunks were insane. And I realized it was only on like the top cabinet. But like the, he was jumping in slow motion and like the hang time was insane. I'm it like watching sick. this and I'm like, fuck, if I was nine or ten years old and I saw this kid do this, I would have gone and got a hoop, put it on yeah. in my mom's kitchen and tried to do it myself. Yeah. And now it's like there's this other element of professional sports where guys maybe just want to go viral you know and i think it's like i saw a couple times last summer where a guy catches a pass and maybe he could score it you know the just like the fundamental way but he tries to go between his legs because he knows that if the slow-mo highlight you know if he makes it it's going to go viral he has a chance to you know blow up and be on sports center his following goes up you know it's 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 a weird dynamic there. I, I see so much of the positives of social media, but there's also some negatives. I'm, I'm sure you guys are aware of that. Well, what if he missed? <laughs> he, like, he did. Well, uh, he went between his legs and he missed. Yeah, but if he missed, nobody's ever going to see the highlight. Right. Uh, I, so, yeah. yes, you know, it, it's like, uh, yeah, like you said, it, you know, you make a mistake, you miss. Uh, nobody's going to see the highlight. But if you make it, now all of a sudden you're the hero. Yeah. All right. You know, it's not like they have like a... Uh, uh, he tried to do this for social media compilations and just fucking gets humiliated. Yeah. Maybe they should do that. In a game. No. Like fail. What, yeah. But the, the beauty is the, the heated competition, there's only so many roster spots and a lot of guys left off. If he keeps on missing that, exactly. he's going to find his way off the team. Yeah. yeah. How many guys play in the whole league? Like how many people are on each team? Uh, our active rosters are 25 players and then we travel uh, – travel 19 is it, so six six guys are on the practice squad pretty much and seven teams now with uh, cannons yes correct who picked these names the whip snakes like bro i i i don't know the lacrosse vernacular but uh they sound like little kids pick these out of hats well it sure beats the mll teams hmm. i wasn't a fan of the whole branding of that league man yeah i think it was i don't know it was, i think they hired a designer. marketing people paid a million yeah, dollars to come I, up with these names you're like oh, that's Jesus. not my that's 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 above that's above my pay grade, but I'm a fan of archers. I love. Yeah, Arch. you landed on yeah. a pretty good spot. What are some of the other names? Uh, we got the Whip Snakes. Um, we got the Chaos. Chaos is a logo is like a scorpion. It's kind of cool, but their jerseys look like uh, like BMX shirts. Um, they look very afflicted. Yeah, mm. yeah. kind of like we those got- jeans you have with the bedazzles on them. I'm wearing them under these table guys. <laughs> this would, it, it, you know, what would be cool right now if we had the technology to like put up the logo as I, as I was saying it. Oh, uh, uh, we got a guy in the we, corner that's going to take have, care of that. Yeah, we have a producer, and we what are you have, doing, guy? We have the we have the technology to do this. So all you got to do is ask, and there's a good chance in the final take that this thing will come okay. out. Yeah. Yeah. Flowing them out. There's the Chrome. There's the Atlas. Uh, there's the Cannons, which they pulled that team from the MLL. Uh, the water water dogs were a new team, and then the archers. Uh, Redwoods. Redwoods. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan fan of the. I actually Holman tried to pick up uh, one of your shirts, but you're all sold out, man. So hey. hot stuff. Love that. 
did uh, um, like how did the the team selections go? I mean, obviously they have these kind of floating teams that aren't necessarily uh, geographically tied to anywhere. Uh, how does it like? Is there a draft, or did they go out and just sign free agents, or how did the next like the necessarily um, like the segmenting of the players, like who went yeah. where? How did that work? They, I think they factored two things in. One was your college affiliation, and then second was the previous league if there was connections with guys on the same team. Like, for example, our team, the Archers, we have Will and Adam who are coaching out here with me in Utah. You know, we've kind of – we came out here five years ago to coach at, at the U, and we've been very active in the community. And, you know, Utah's is home for me right now, right? So when I think of that, if you put all of us on the same team, you kind of have a little mini fan base there with all the kids and players that we work with in the state of Utah. And then – I think our college affiliation was UNC. I think we had our first year, we had maybe five or six guys from, from Carolina. And then we took like three or four guys that were all on my Ohio machine team from the previous league. So it's definitely a blend, but um, you know, for example, the whip snakes, like I said, are all Maryland guys. Uh, the Atlas, their first year, they were Johns Hopkins was supposed to be their, their base. Um, the Redwoods are Notre Dame based. So there's definitely like small pockets of you could just if you're a Notre Dame fan you you cheer for the Redwoods it's just like what you're gonna do because you've been watching those guys play in college and now they're playing on the same team, um, and then some of the te- like the Water Dogs are kind of a random compilation. The Chaos is very Canadian based. They probably have like 75 percent of their roster is from Canada and the Canadian style of playing lacrosse, I'll try to break it down in a set sentence or two here is they play box lacrosse, which is in a hockey rink. Everybody has a short stick and it's five on five. So those, their style of playing is much more stick oriented. So if you watch a Canadian player play his hands, like sit, like he has great hands cause like they play hockey and they're just playing a lot versus like an American born player traditionally is a little bit more athletic, you know, runs better, maybe is physically, um, more imposing, kind of like the combination of the styles there. And in case you guys were in case you guys were wondering, no, that's super interesting. Uh, Marcus, have you heard of futsal? So indoor yes. soccer, yeah. yeah. yeah so futsal. it's similar to lacrosse, shorter wind, shorter windows. You got to have great stick skills, and then yeah. a goalie and giant hockey pads. So you got to be very accurate yeah. to score and a smaller yeah. goal. Smaller goal, and man, it is tough. You can't play box and not be tough. Um, a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to play on team USA in 2015 in the world indoor championships. Um, I, I was trying, trying to figure the game out on the fly. I was just running around like a, a madman, um, and trying to score. It's, it's fucking hard to score. That was always my downfall playing indoor lacrosse. It's just so hard to score. Did you wear shoulder pads indoors? Yep. And What's- I ran into a guy full speed and, did my AC joint on <laughs> my shoulder. What's the wave of no shoulder pads? Because as coaching kids, they see that at the pro level, and you know, you gotta fight to actually have them wear the shoulder pads. I'm gonna be honest, like <laughs> I don't know why that like became a thing. Again, I think it's just like the casual nature of maybe the, the previous professional league, but and it's just like a little bit heavier, you know, it's, we're playing in the summertime. It's 85 degrees down in Atlanta. Like that added, you know, weight, those two or three pounds, like can take a toll on you. So 
I don't know. I, I've, I've tried so many different things. I've tried wearing, um, I think I'm going to try this again this summer wearing like an undershirt that basketball players wear that has like the uh, pads right here on the ribs. Cause a lot of where I get hit is if a guy's cross checking you, right. It's either like when you turn your shoulder, it's either like here where I'm protected. I wear, you wear an elbow pad that covers kind of your arm or it's like on your hips, which you can't really wear, you know, unless you're wearing a football, you know, padded leg suit, you're not going to have protection there. So just thinking about like protecting my ribs a little bit more, but knock on wood, I've, I've had a, so the pros don't wear shoulder pads. Less oh, is more. Correct. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. The, except, for, I mean, the goalies, they're even wearing less. I mean, have you guys ever noticed anybody in the NFL wearing pads in their pants? Uh, no. Like, no knee pads for Dude, DBs. Uh, a lot of guys, like, nobody wore thigh pads. Nobody wore hip pads. Most people. Yeah. I, I used to wear thigh pads because, unfortunately, I got speared in the thigh, and I was super nervous about it. But for the most part, like, nobody ever wore any pads in their pants. And then we would take, the, take our... Uh, uh, shoulder pads and we'd fucking cut them up and make a bunch of alterations and try to remove as much shit off them as you is can. Is that to feel light or? Um, yeah, it was that like whole like, um, you know, ounces equals pounds kind of a deal, but I don't know, maybe it was psychological, but I, I, I guarantee in the NFL, if uh, you told dudes they'd have to wear shoulder pads, there'd be somebody out there trying to not wear fucking shoulder pads. Well, the, I want to get into recruiting. So you were a multi-sport athlete. Now you get the opportunity with Utah to go hit the, the recruiting trail and you got a kid from rally as an example do you personally look for multi-sport kids or is it all now, hey, this kid plays on X club team, we can trust that coach, here we go. But he only plays lacrosse. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of factors. You know, I think if you asked me 10 years ago, I would say if the kid didn't play multiple sports, then we're not going to recruit him. But I think when I think about building our team now, this is our third year of Division One. Um you know, I, I want lax rats. <laughs> I want a kid that absolutely loves lacrosse, that eats, breathes, watches the pro league, knows who everybody is, is watching college highlights. Like I want those type of kids around, you know, because I think that our knowledge of lacrosse as a coaching staff is second to none, you know? And I think, I think just like, that's important, you know? So it's a balance. Um, the other piece is developing those relationships with those, club coaches um lacrosse is kind of a, a weird crossroads with like high school versus club um it's kind of like the basketball issue with the aau and stuff like that so developing relationships with with high school coaches and, and club coaches um you know and then just getting on the phone and really having honest discussions with these kids you know asking them you know what are your aspirations like it, are you just going to be happy like making the team do you want to be the best, you know, do you want to be the best that's ever played? Like, and just kind of getting that feel for them. And, you know, you're not going to go hundred percent all the time. Um, but I think where we're at right now with Utah, we just got accepted into the Atlantic sun conference, which is going to, that's going to be a conference that's starting next year. Um, and that's exciting for us because these past couple of years, we've been recruiting kids really with no conference affiliation with, the only way we're getting in the NCAA tournament is if we run the table, you know, and that's pretty unlikely. So it's exciting. Um, and, and that progress has been reflected in the classes, you know, the class that's going to come in next fall. And then the, the one that we're building right now that we're really excited about is our junior class. Um, so it's exciting. 
Are there hotbeds that you recruit out of? I mean, obviously the East Coast. So coming from Utah and you, you kind of, I mean, growing up in Baltimore, you know where the hotbeds of this stuff is. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're, you're going there. Is it hard to convince these kids to go to Utah? I mean, probably the only thing these kids know about Utah is Mormons. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, but I'm not Mormon. And you're like, well, then, we right. educate more than just Mormons in Utah. Yeah. And that, and, uh, that conversation like comes up probably on like every other recruiting call that we have. So with COVID and stuff, there's been no travel to the campuses. So we haven't done any in-person recruiting. It's been all zoom. And we usually have the the families on the zoom too. And sometimes the parents ask about like, so like, what's the deal with Utah? You just got to explain. It's just part of the state. I think Utah is one of the most underage states in our country is absolutely beautiful. Is this your Um, pitch you're giving us right now? Somewhat. Yeah. I I was in that exact same position. So as as a, a senior in high school getting recruited, I got hit up by BYU and my first question is like, don't you have to be Mormon to go there? And they're like, no, but you have to adhere to all the Mormon principles and everything that, you know, and they, they went through all this stuff. And, uh, and the, the coach wasn't Mormon. He's like, I get it, dude. All right, see ya. And that was it. Yeah. The University of Utah is definitely different. I think BYU is like 98% yep. Mormon. The University of Utah, I think, is maybe 30%. Um, but anyways, like, it's, this place is amazing. Um, I've loved living out here for the past couple of years. It's, it's been such an incredible experience, but back to your point, I'm from Baltimore. My dad, we grew up in Baltimore together. And then our two other assistants are from long Island. And again, we're getting to that point where it's like, I'd almost rather take like the fifth best player from a Baltimore area school. than like maybe some kid that's like dominating out in Oregon, you know, it's just kind of like, you got to factor in the level of competition he's playing against the level of coaching, like his IQ, and stuff like that. So not to say that we aren't recruiting West coast kids. We have a lot of kids from Cal. We have kids honestly from all over the country. Um, but you're going to lean towards the Baltimore Phillies, Long Island to start. Um, and then kind of branch from there, you know, Dallas is definitely an emerging, um, lacrosse hotbed, Denver, Colorado, uh, LA is starting to get some better players. Seattle has some, some kids coming out of it. So what about dripping Springs, Texas? Oh, we, <laughs> we got some D oneers. Do you really? Uh huh. Uh, high Point, the kid went to High Point last year, VMI. I think VMI is D1. Yeah, um, VMI is. Yeah, there's some some rock stars. I don't know how they're doing. I had to check in. But the uh, the seventh grade team, were, uh, oh. that's where the, the fire rises, John. <laughs> but through the barbell, hopefully. Um, but do you have any Texas kids on the squad right now? Yeah, one of our best, best defensemen is uh, maybe Plano. Yeah. Plano, Plano's Dallas area. Yeah. Quite good. Mm. Yeah. And then our best freshman is from South Carolina. Uh, our best Whoa. offensive player, two best offensive players are from LA. Um, so it's kind of a mishmash. It's cool. And I think that's part of the, that's again, a little bit of our recruiting pitch is like, let's say you go to Bryant. All right. Or an East coast school or like uh, maybe UMass. Right. 90% of those kids are going to be from Long Island or Boston or <laughs> Philly. If you come out to Utah, your roommate, you might be from Atlanta and your roommate might be from Seattle. Like those are two complete cultures like meshing together. Like two of, again, two of our, like the best buddies on our team are like this little frat kid from North Carolina and this like uh, fashion kid from LA and they're like boys you know and this one kid has his like boat shoes and his khaki shorts and then you know this guy's wearing the trendy hoodies with the colorful like 
patterns and stuff like that. Like, it's just funny to see them mesh and, and become friends, obviously through, through the sport of lacrosse. And, you know, as you know, like there's nothing better than being on a team. It's, it's the best feeling in the world. Um, oh, yeah. And that's, that's why I continue to play and why I love coaching so much. The, do you ever jump into the training? So I also yeah. coach strength and conditioning at Georgetown and the coaches would, Hey, find their way to the weight room. Hey coach, what are we doing today? So yeah. they'd be sprinting, they'd be lifting and getting after it with the, the boys. Do you find yourself in there to train with the team? Uh, yeah, this, this year has been again, a little bit difficult because of COVID. Um, the, the weight room protocols are kind of shitty for our guys, to be honest, they're working through it, but hopefully next year it's, it's back to more, uh, you know, normal kind of routine, but yeah. And, and this is actually the first year that I've, I've worked with a personal trainer who actually was our S and C guy at Utah for our first four years and then decided to branch off into the private sector. And now I, I train with him four times a week and then I'll jump into practice, you know, probably every other week um, just to, to replicate that speed of the game. You know, the, the pro game is obviously faster than the collegiate level, you know, and, um, but it's still like, it's hard, you know, cause our season for the PLL starts June 4th and we'll have a week of training camp leading up to it. And then we're off to the races. So I definitely think that gives me an advantage uh, because I'm able to, to kind of compete and see those live reps and get slashed, you know, before the season starts, which feels good. So yeah, it's fun. I love it. One hand definitely feeds the other. I think being a, being a player helps me coach better. Uh, again, I'm just like, I have to study the game. I have to kind of think, you know, what, what are the new kind of flows or the new offenses or schemes or stuff like that. And then I think being a coach helps me be a better player too. Cause um, you know, I, I coach the fundamentals, you know, and I have to remind myself of that sometimes too. Like, Hey, you know, bend your knees when you pick up a ground ball, like don't shoot this between the legs to try and get on the highlight reel, just like finish the <laughs> score for your team. Um, so stuff like that. Yeah. Did your boys ever call you out for like, Hey coach, I saw that one handed ground ball. What, I think there's, there's, yeah, there's been a couple subtle chirps, um, but nothing major. Um, do they as know. I say, don't do as I do. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I try, it's, that's like the toughest part is I try, I would, I try to not, I would never tell my guys something that I would never do on the field, you know? So I do think they appreciate that. Um, and I just want to be honest with them. Any training partners with the, the new personal trainer? Or is that all one-on-one -on -one stuff? Uh, so I have we have a we have a crew out here again. Will and Adam, the assistant coaches at Utah, they're they're my training buddies. Uh, Will's a lefty attackman. I'm a righty attackman, so we're able to feed each other when we go out and shoot. Adam is a goalie, so we're able to shoot on him Perfect. if we want live reps. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a little brotherhood we got out here. And then um, we have Kyle Hartzell just moved here, who's been a professional lacrosse player his his whole career played with him on, on team USA. He just moved here from California. So he's jumped in and started training with us. So again, it's, you know, it's great. I'm like I mentioned earlier, I'm pretty internally motivated. Um, I would go out and do this shit myself, but it is fun to have other people around and, you know, you get some Meek Mill going, you get some Rick Ross playing, you know, uh, you get some rage against the machine on the, on the speakers and you start getting after it. So it's fun. What let's, let's stick with that. You said you're pretty internally motivated. And were you captain at UNC? So leadership role in that respect. And now you certainly are a leadership role as a coach. Yeah. Man, are you finding 
is there less or more internally motivated kids that are joining your team or is it drifting away as you know parents change kids change community changes in the u.s it's a good question um there's definitely helicopter parents out there that are just trying to like just live their lives through their kids you know and don't allow them to kind of step out and take chances and take risks you know i mentioned that community that i grew up in the summertime with uh going to summer camp there like i would leave our little house at 9 a.m and i wouldn't come back until like five because i was out at camp all day i was on my own i was exploring um i definitely think some of that is missing um you know and it's like little neighborhoods and communities and stuff like that like, that's such a amazing part of being a kid you know you have to learn how to fall and scrape your knee and you can't go crying home to mom or you'll be labeled as the crybaby. you know you have to tough it out to be a part of the crew um but I, I you know some i've just like discovered that i like to say about leadership is that it's a choice you know like i do think some people are are born with that you know, I've, I've always felt like I wanted to be at the front of the line. You know, if we're running cross country in fifth grade, like I wanted to win the race. Um, you know, if, you know, the coach brings us up and we're in the huddle, like I want to be in the front. Um, so I do feel like some of that I was born with, but it's a choice that you make to, to be a leader. You know, it, it takes courage to step in and tell someone, Hey, that's not the way we fucking do things. Like we do it this way. Um, you know, to be able to communicate with your coaches and the rest of your teammates, um, to have humility because normally leaders are some of the better players, right? So not putting yourself ahead of the team, um, you know, and, and being able to, again, like take a stand when things aren't going well, um, and, you know, encourage guys and, you know, push them to be their best. So I always found that like, really fun uh definitely in high school and in, in college as well i was actually solo captain my senior year at unc so that was a, a pretty big responsibility that's honestly might be like the highlight of my life <laughs> um and, but again that was the label but i had three or four guys that i had trust so much trust in that pretty much by the end of the season they were captains too um so it's fun i i I definitely relish, you know, being a leader. I'm not afraid to get in the huddle and fucking fire guys up. You know, I, I, I grew up watching Ray Lewis <laughs> and I like idolizing him. How could you not want to get in the huddle after that guy? John's With, a big Ray Lewis fan. Oh, God. I Are you hate, joking? I fucking I, hate I, Ray Lewis. That's sarcasm. That's all right. Uh, dude, I, I played for the Eagles. Uh, so we used to have to go down to Baltimore <laughs> and see fucking Ray do his 20-minute dance, like yes, in pregame, and just be like, this is the fucking worst. I'm going to absolutely murder this fucking dude. Would, no, it got the other team riled up, right? Dude, <laughs> it, have, have you ever seen, uh, they, they stopped doing it, but they would fucking pan to the other teams and you just see dudes just sitting on the bench being like, you got to be fucking kidding me with this guy. The fucking dance and like the whole thing, like like to the point where they cut players, like, uh, uh, you know, because they, they'll announce players to run like out. The so they always did the defense with Ray. And then they just stopped like announcing anybody because Ray would take so long. And they were like, fuck, this dude's going to dance for 20 minutes. We got to figure something out on this thing. And then I remember one time we went down there and they're like, hey, we got to go out early. And they were trying to figure out like extra time to give Ray to. I'm just like, fuck this dude and his dance. This is fuck. I'm going to murder this dude. My question for this is off topic, but what did Ray Lewis do non home games? 
Uh, Did he just get his boys around him and then do it in the middle of the huddle? Uh, no, um, yeah, before the game he would do something, but I know when they uh, would have the offense uh, on away teams or like on away games, they would call the offense first and they would introduce those guys. And I think Ray would just bring his little posse and do it on the sideline. It's fucking awful. And I mean, I, 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 I know the Baltimore fans fucking loved it and people loved it, but as a player, I'd be like, fuck this guy. Let's get this shit going. Is it yeah. a pregame dance if no one's watching? <laughs> it was so, it was so epic being a fan. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm sure. I like, I just, yeah. Uh, but it's funny that you brought that up because they've heard me on this podcast be like, fuck that dude. <laughs> and uh, I remember one time he did it in preseason, which I thought was even more disingenuous. And I remember coming out and uh, fucking hitting him. And um, Ray was an incredible player when he got to hit against backs and tight ends, but yeah. not as good when he got to hit him against linemen. Yeah. And it was pretty funny. It was actually the first time I actually saw him legit, and I got I got a nice hit on him. And uh, it's the last time I ever saw him again. That dude was the master of fucking slipping and sliding. His, but his, that his, fucking his dance. Instinct, his instincts as a linebacker. Yeah, he's a good player, man. He, uh, I mean, he deservedly to be in the Hall of Fame. So, but yeah. But, I mean, what, what we could do is get into a little bit about how the mob runs Baltimore and how... It's called Baltimore. There's no T in there. Well, I, I know, but the, how the mob runs it, and then Ray got in trouble with that deal down uh, in... Uh, I don't think we should go there. Down in Atlanta. And uh, <laughs> who was it? Uh, Art Modell had to call in some favors to make that shit go away. Allegedly. 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 This is now a conspiracy theory. Uh, uh, well, that's half this podcast. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> you're not a flat earth guy like Tex, are you? It's a spinning coin. It's really fast, guys. Trust me. <laughs> oh shit. Um, the let's see. Where else can we go? I want to stick with the uh, coaching and leadership. Where where do you seek to improve your coaching? With, do you go to certain basketball coaches? Do you go to certain leadership coaches, icons? Where outside of the scope of the sport do you seek to grow as a leader and communicator and coach? Great question. Um, I feel really fortunate, again, to have my dad as, as the boss. Um, you know, he's got... I want to stick with the uh, coaching and leadership. Where, where do you seek to improve your coaching? With, do you go to certain basketball coaches? Do you go to certain leadership coaches, icons? Where outside of the scope of the sport do you seek to grow as a leader and communicator and coach? Great question. Um, I feel really fortunate again to have my dad as as the boss. Um, you know, he's got forty years of coaching and business experience. You know, he he kind of went back and forth between coaching and and um, starting his own mortgage business when the uh, housing market crashed in 2008, his business pretty much went under and that's what forced him to kind of get back into coaching. You know, he, he had to step away from that. So the reason I say that is because he knows how to deal with people. He's such a great, again, I talked about, he's obviously my dad, but he's such a great mentor to me. And I know our other assistants as well, because, you know, Adam is 32, I'm 29, Will's 29. So we have a relatively young coaching staff, you know, and my dad is 60. So he's able to, to really mentor and lead us. Um, I feel fortunate to have him there. And I, you know, if I'm struggling, I, I'll go and talk to him, you know, and he's, he's honest, he's as honest as they come. So he'll give me feedback, whether it's, it's positive or negative. So, but yeah, you know, and, and then I think 
we talked about social media. There's so, there's so many, you know, motivational like pages or like Twitter accounts and stuff like that, where I actually follow, this is kind of a sidebar. I, f- I follow a couple of basketball, like gurus on Twitter. Hmm. The motions of basketball and lacrosse are kind of the same um, as an offensive coach. So it's kind of fun to like, st- we actually, our assistant coach and I, this is now I'm spiraling a little bit. <laughs> we sat in on a basketball practice at the university of Utah the other year. And we took a set play from them and we've been using it in our offense. Um, it's a pretty unique style of, of, you know, picks and movement and stuff like that. So again, I, I think inspirations can come in many different forms. Um, I do like to read, um, you know, I'm a Tim Grover fan. I think he's got a new book coming out. Um, you know, there's, there's inspiration to be found anywhere. So. Yeah. Personally lean on the, the John Wooden and, Pat Riley as of late, oh. the success he's had over decades is undeniable. Yeah. So did is that where you're getting your, your hairstyling tips from? Fuck yeah. You're trying to be I like a... Little... There you I, go. I was going to say, uh, both you got... Well, he, he's got like hockey hair. I was like, man, you look like a, like a Canadian hockey player. Well, over there. the season's coming out, John. He's got to grow it out. Ah, I got right. it. I got Flo. it. Flow. The... <laughs> I was going to save this to the end. But I need to know the lacrosse vernacular. What are the waves at the college level nowadays? Because it transitioned from flow, lettuce, and then by the time I was done at the college level, bounce. It was bounce, and I stuck it with was bounce. bounce. Wow, oh, baby, you like the little flick? Yeah, that was bounce. So I don't know what it is now, and I'm just curious. I think it's still flow. Um, That's great, man. It's growing up in Baltimore. They used to call it like the balty, balty haircut. <laughs> which was like, you know, nice and short up at the top. And then, you know, business in the front, party in the back kind of deal. So, so you guys are rocking like, the mullets. Uh-huh. The mullets, yeah. I mean, mullet. the mullet is still a haircut in Philly. Classy. Yeah. Like the classy mullet. Mm. Yeah. Do they know, like, is it an intentional or is it just the way? Uh, I just think their hair grows that way in Philly. <laughs> it's the you water. You tell me it grows in all redneck like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the water in Philly just forces the hair to grow that way. Yeah, the cheese sticks. Yeah, the cheese sticks. Uh, how about trash talk on the field? What's been the evolution of trash talk in your career? So as an attackman, he gets a lot of downtime. If if the ball's on offense for the other team, he's just chilling one-on-one next to this dude on the offensive side. What has been this evolution of trash talk in 20 years of your lacrosse career? I'm not a big trash talker. Um, I kind of, I like to like just get fiery and passionate, you know, and I think that that might rub some people the, the wrong way, but rarely am I like specifically like targeting, you know, like a goalie or a defensive player. Um, there's definitely guys that I play with that will just be like, you fucking suck. You know, I'm like, Whoa, like, (laughs) geez, like I like to kind of be subtle about it. You know, if we score a goal and I'm running by the goalie, I'm like, he can't see shit. He's not seeing it today. You know, just subtle like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gotten, it's intense now um at the pll level like it's definitely intensified over the past five years i would say um and again like i don't like to do it because as you mentioned when the ball's down the other end i'm literally just like standing right next to my defense yeah like what are you gonna do talk shit to the dude for like a few minutes you're such a fucking asshole it's gotta be subtle well Uh, the the other one too and this was um whenever people ask me about talking shit i never wanted to wake a sleeping giant like yeah. if somebody was having like a bad day or more importantly, like something wasn't going well, I was just going to like 
let them keep fucking having a good bad day opposed from like talk shit to them and then like all of a sudden hit their courage or or make them like you know fucking feel like they want to man up to it and be like oh fuck sometimes with that with that talking shit it uh comes back to bite you in the ass who was the player that looked up to the the skies the heavens and screamed he knows not what he's doing yeah we uh we're uh it was i can't remember his name i'll have to go look it up but it was against the redskins i uh i took some fucking shots on this dude late after the play and um he was having a bad game and then i told him he was a punk bitch and to talk shit to him and uh all of a sudden we're in the huddle and he's on you know obviously the defense breaks and he's over there praying for me be like, forgive him, Jesus, for he knows he does not know what he does. And he's over there praying. And Trey Thomas, who's our left tackle, is like, dude, you better do something. He's fucking praying for you. I'm like, fuck you, and you're fucking fuck him. Yeah. You know, fuck this religious bullshit. You know, just talking shit. And yeah. he went out, and the dude fucking next play just literally ran through my neck, like hit me in the head, buckled <laughs> oh me, like tackled the ball carrier for loss. Yeah. And I was like, lucky play, lucky play. And then the second play, he did it again. And I remember being like, I'm sorry, I offended you and your God. You know. <laughs> But yeah, like uh, that, and that was my one experience talking shit, trying to make somebody look bad, and like waking a sleeping giant. So whenever I hear people like you know, especially like you see on um, you know people John talking so much shit, I'm like, god damn. Like the other one too, and you probably the same way. You're like, man, I'm so fucking tired from running. How do you guys have all this extra energy? Yeah, yeah, it's it's like again, I think there's subtle ways. There's different ways to do it. You know, I I think if I pull up from 12 yards and sting a corner, you know, maybe I just kind of give the goalie a nice extra glance for a couple seconds, like kind of stand down. But a lot of the trash talking lacrosse happens in between the boxes, right? So you sub on the fly. So guys are running on and off the field. Um, that makes it for a little, like they put a camera and a mic up, up in the box. And there's usually, because the teams are only what, maybe 10, 10 yards away from each other. So there's a lot of jawing back and forth on the sideline. So, but I'm, I'm on the field pretty much the whole game. So I'm not. So there's um, obviously there's like dedicated offense, dedicated defense, and then there's guys in the middle. Midfield, yeah, can transition, but imagine six on six. Yeah, gotcha. uh, with with a box cool. in the middle that you can sub free flowing on and off, and I mean fast paced, no time for commercials as a fan. Just yep. just saying. Nice. Maybe that's why they're not growing. When uh, <laughs> uh, when are the games? Are, are the games on Saturdays? Yeah. Yep. So we, it'll be weekends throughout the summer. Um, we've got a couple couple bye weekends uh the championship playoffs start i think labor day weekend and the championship is september 19th but it's on and, and it's on abc nbc nbc nbc, NBC sports and then a couple a couple will be on nbc main which is exciting again that's you know millions of viewers on nbc main so yeah baby year three of the pll let's go mm-hmm. no i do dude I, I definitely want to watch it what do you what do you foresee as the future of lacrosse? Is PLL allowing the sport to then break this next barrier and become instead of the top big five we have, we have a big six? Again, that's you know, the twenty year vision. I'm sure is again is a million dollar contract for a lacrosse player, and um, you know we we just got to keep pushing. We're still the the baby, as you you mentioned, the big four and stuff like that. You know we're. I see fucking cornhole on ESPN and sometimes it just like <laughs> grinds my gears a little bit, but you know, we just got to continue to push and at the PLL is definitely the platform. They're, they're doing a great job with it. Sorry to dude. No, no, I, I dude, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I saw fucking cornhole on ESPN and I was laughing and I was yeah. thinking to myself, any sport that dudes can play and the drunker they get, the better they are. I don't know. It was really a sport that should be on ESPN. Right. The Ocho. Yeah. I mean, dude. Yeah. 
I mean, not to say court like cornholes, uh, you know, like a game you play at like a barbecue on a Saturdays, and these dudes are professional cornhole players. They're really good. I watched it and was like, holy shit. Well, I mean, there's so many weird sports. I've seen ping pong, which is awesome. Dude, <laughs> professional. Um, lacrosse isn't an Olympic sport, is it? No, but it's being pushed pretty heavily. There's definitely some communication with the Olympic Committee and the World Lacrosse Committee. So the, the goal is. LA 2028 lacrosse is an Olympic sport, but what they've talked about is shrinking the field and shrinking the, making it pretty much a five on five game Hmm. with like a 50 yard field just so they can shorten the rosters. So more countries can play, right? Like Argentina has a lacrosse base. There's guys down there that play, but you know, there's probably only like five or six of them that are actually like real, that could compete against other countries. You know, so all you need is six guys to have a legit team, you know, instead of having a full roster of like 20 or 25 guys. So yeah, that, it's kind of a quirky idea, but I would like to see it. Well, that, that's the approach rugby took. Yeah. yeah. Full on, full field 15s wasn't going to make it. But then sevens, they were able to, to break yeah. that barrier. And last I checked, I believe it was 50 countries minimum need to play your sport. And that would have been the... That would have been tough for lacrosse, but the World Games has certainly expanded that. Marcus, did you play when they went to Israel? Yes. Is that the last one? Yep. Yeah. Gold medal. And usually it's just USA and Canada, essentially, right? Yes. With uh, the Iroquois That's being right. like, you know, they're pushing, trying to push to, for one of those top two spots, but it's been USA and Canada for the past, I don't know, 10, 10 rounds. That is an intense game. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, playing two of those, 2014, we lost. 2018, we won on a buzzer beater. Um, I've never been checked harder. Uh, I've never been in a more intense environment than a gold medal USA-Canada game. When's when's the next World Games coming up? That will be supposed to be – it's every four years, so it's supposed to be 22, but I think, again, COVID, I think it's bumped back to 23 now. Have they factored in PLL season for that? Because I know they're both summer. Yeah, it ha- it, we haven't gotten to that point yet because 2018 was the, the last year without the PLL. So it'll be interesting to see because that, that is always an issue, you know, creating the schedule around those guys that are leaving because every every player that's in that USA-Canada game is in the PLL. Yeah. So. Man, but the, the world games – that's where I guess basically what's the rule? My brother-in-law tried out for the Netherlands team and his mother was born in Netherlands. So like that was enough for him to be considered for the tryout. Yeah. So a bunch of guys do it. Ireland that were, you know, not Ireland born, still got the opportunity to get, uh, wear, wear their colors. Yeah. It's cool. Like we, I had a teammate that I guess was maybe like second generation Italian or something like that, or third generation. He played for team Italy. Um, England is another one. Um, so, it's cool. Man. Um, so I guess all that's left, man, where do people go to follow you and support you for the upcoming season? Yeah. So on social, I'm Marcus Holman one, uh, pretty simple. I wear the number one. Can't miss me out there. Um, yeah, I, uh, like during season right now as a coach, I'm not usually as active on social with posting and stuff like that, but during the summer, we'll get a little bit more creative. Um, fired up. Twitch. What about your Ray Lewis uh, dance? Oh so, yeah. Like, do you actually have a Ray Lewis guest dance before every game? 
I don't, but I, I could, you know. Well, I mean, if, if you're a big fan of it, why not? I mean, that might be good for social media. And if you come out and you're like, you know, a little Ray Lewis influence, come out and you're doing, you know, the yeah, whole the, deal. The bird, is it supposed to represent like a raven flying or something? Uh, nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody need, fucking knows. The hot in here queued up. We need, remember this last piece of that, the theatrics of that, they used to bring out the little patch of grass on the turf field so he could like pick it up and put it on his, his jersey. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know they, that. Yeah, 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 no, it's you do Ray Lewis dance and tell me you won't get fired up. Uh, dude, I yeah, I just having been on the other side of it, it's just yeah. so painful to watch. But the fans absolutely go ballistic; like they would wait for it. And I mean, I mean, he dude, he branded and marketed, and it was the part of the deal, you know. Oh man, do uh, how about pregame playlist? Like, what's in your headphones when? you're getting warmed up and fired up for the game. Yeah. I'm the, uh, I'm the DJ. So I kind of have control of what we're playing. Obviously I'll take some requests, but, um, I like some electronic music, you know, rage against the machine. I'll, I'll listen to rap. We're kind of all over the place. Like with the pregame. So, um, walk a flock, flock of flame is, is big. Um, Grove street party. That's a great, great hype song. If you've never heard it, um, put that one on, it'll get you going. I do appreciate the Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Yeah. The Bulls on Parade. No, I mean, well, it's dude. JJ that, Watt's theme song. Is it really? Well, no, it was the Texans D for a while, and then. No, but what what trips me out is, uh, I mean, Rage Against the Machine was huge when I was in high school. Like, when school, or, I, you know, was in the 90s. So, it's it's interesting to see that, like, it's come back and people are still into it. I'm like, I haven't They're still raging. <laughs> What's this you, machine? Are they speaking Yeah, do you about? remember that girl? It's like, why are they raging against everything? You know, you're like. <laughs> Uh, they've been talking about this shit for years, but no, that's good. Sweet, man. Yeah, dude, we appreciate your time, and we'll, we'll certainly be watching this summer. Yeah, man, and, I'm a fan. And following the college team as Utah grows and, and starts to be competitive, pulling kids from all over the U.S. Yeah, no, it, it looks like a fun game. I, I have uh, three kids, and it's something that um, uh, Tex got the girls across sticks, and they still actually they, they use them in the house all the time, but more as weapons to hit each other. Hey, that's how it yeah. starts. So that's how it starts. But um, no, it's cool. I'd love to watch a little bit more of it. So I'm stoked to watch it. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I oh, yeah. Thank you. Monday conversation. Sweet. All right. And now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can see Marcus Holman shamelessly promoting himself on Instagram at Marcus Holman, the number one. And visit PremierLacrosseLeague.com for a schedule of all upcoming games, including his team, the Archers. Until next time, bye!